Um, so at this point in time, um, I want to invite Pastor Leland to come up, and he's going to give us a word. And I thank you for being willing to preach and give me a little a, a break this week because my mind is full of other stuff. So thank you for coming up and being willing to uh, share the word with us, Leland. Thank you, Pastor Mike. We uh, It's always a privilege to to minister, and I echo what Pastor Ripp said. Uh, I was just taught early on from my mentors, my pastors. I had a, a pastor. He was a pastor of pastors. <laughs> he, we used to call the church that I tell you, it was my home church. We used to call it the uh, Trammell School of Ministry because at one time he had like seven young men uh sitting under his ministry that he was mentoring and every one of them become pastors, missionaries or or something in ministry. Uh unfortunately in two thousand five he, he passed away. Uh I remember it well I was deployed and was working Hurricane Katrina when I got the word that he had passed and uh unfortunately I didn't get to go to services but he passed away in the pulpit had a heart attack and died in the pulpit while he was preaching, which is, uh, knowing him, that <laughs> he would have said, what better way to go, you know, from, from glory to glory, he would say. But, but um, you know, I was taught many by him that anytime, as a minister, anytime you go to a new church, and I did this with Pastor Mike, I, I, I do it, before you go to a new church, you call that pastor and ask you if it's okay if you come and worship with them because as pastor Ripp said some pastors get a little uneasy if you you walk into the service because they don't know why you're there are you there to overthrow them or well i just appreciate having said that appreciate pastor mike and his his uh, generosity and, and allowing us to minister and and, and uh, share the word uh, but uh I want you to think a minute. I'm going to ask you a question real quick. Have y'all picked up on a theme in the service this morning? Through the songs, through what Pastor Rip has said, what Pastor Mike has said, is there one word that you'd say is the theme this morning? Anybody? Jesus. Jesus. Which ought to be our theme every Sunday morning, right? Or every service, right? Be Every day ought to be our theme ought to be be Jesus. And that's what I want to, very simple message this morning, very simple. Uh, but I want us, sometimes we need to ponder the simplicity of Jesus and, and, uh, and, and the simplicity of understanding the gospel, the truth of, of who Jesus is and what he does. Now, I get it. You know, being born again, it makes it a little easier, I guess, for us because we believe, right? Uh, where the world may be a little more difficult for them because they don't get it. And they're not supposed to. We're, we're real quick sometimes to judge the world. But we gotta understand they don't get it. Okay? They, 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 they're like that because they don't get it. They're like that because they're not, they haven't arrived. They haven't received. They haven't gotten what Jesus has to offer. So, of course, they're going to be like they are. 
And sometimes we need to be a little understanding, and that's the way, and work to get them to where they do understand. And uh, what they are, turn to Mark 5. We're going to we're going to look at, at the chapter of Mark 5, uh, chapter 5 this morning. And I, I hope you'll forgive me for sitting. I, I, uh, I don't like sitting when I, when I preach, when I teach. I, I just never, I, I, I haven't done it here because I'm really not able to do it. But you can ask my wife. Up, up until the last few years, I was a wanderer. I mean, I, I, I'd preach over here for a while, and then I'd be over here for a while, and I'd be here for a while, and, you know, I was just all over the place, which camera people did not like, uh, so much because they worked too hard, but, so it's kind of hard for me to even stand, just stand and stay put, and it's really hard for me to sit, but, uh, <laughs> Thank you. But uh overdid a little bit uh with some of the walking and different things, so my back is bothering me this morning, but just pray for me. But um I want us to look at, at five. Now um I want you to remember as we start this morning, I want you to remember some words, and this just hit me and I'm going, That is <laughs> that is amazing. Uh some of the words of the song that we we singing right before we prayed. And part of it was, uh, his name is power, his name is healing, his name is life. That's Mark chapter 5. Straight from Mark chapter 5, okay? I, I don't know that the person that wrote that song see that, but it is. Uh, and you'll see why, why I say that, uh, here in a, in a few moments. But I want us to ponder, if you could, and I know we're not supposed to look back, we're not supposed to, you know, live in the past, and don't, don't live in the past, but I think it's good every now and then for us to ponder and think about where we came from, what Jesus brought us from, what Jesus delivered us from. Uh, and, and, and again, we, we don't, we don't need to stay there, we, you know, we, but we do, I think, need to remember because that is who Jesus is. And, and when he's delivered us from a life, we need to remember that, right? We need to be, to be thankful, to understand, and to be appreciative as to where we are today. So this morning, as, as we minister this word, as we read this word, I want you to, I want you to ponder some, ponder Jesus. So often we live in the in the present. We look at the present. We look at the future. We may have faith for the future. We have uh, we 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 grasp at hope for the for the present. But folks, sometimes if we'll ponder and think about what God has done already, that'll carry us through the present and in, and and give us the hope for the future. You understand what I'm saying? Because look at what He's already done. Look at what he's already done. Now, be careful not to look at what he's already done. And we do this a lot of times in our churches uh, when we have a wonderful revival, okay, for instance. Or even a, a just a, a single Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night service where God moves miraculously and just does a wonderful work. Sometimes we're... Uh, we're uh, guilty of living on that experience for days to come. 
right? We, you know, we, we and that we can't do that. It, it's a daily walk. It's a, you know, we, we need to experience Jesus over and over and over and over again. Uh, not, not put our new wine in old white skins. We need to continuously walk in the presence of Jesus and who he is and not, but, but it's good for us to ponder and say, Lord, I remember when you did this. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for doing that thing for me. Thank you for that healing. I remember when you healed me that time and it, and it blessed me so much. And I, I remember that healing. And Lord, I know you'll do it again. Right? That'll carry us through into the present and into the future of what God has already done. But uh, let's look at Mark chapter 5. It says, uh, and I'm going to read if it's all right from the Amplified. It says, they came to the other side of the sea to the region of uh, the Gerasenes. Uh, and as it says, they had got out of the boat. There met them out of the tombs a man of an unclean spirit. Now, what does it mean he come out from the tomb? He lived in the cemetery. <laughs> you know, nobody, who lives in the cemetery? Well, this man did. He lived in the cemetery. Came out from among the tombs, and he continually lived there, and no one could subdue him anymore, even with the chain. There was no way to imprison him. There was no way to stop him. He, there, there was just no way. They'd chain him. He'd break the chains. He had been bound for his feet, handcuffs, but the handcuffs and the chains he wrenched apart and the shackles he rubbed to the ground together and broke in pieces and no one had the strength enough to restrain, restrain him or tame him. No one, no one could do it. I'm sure they called on the strongest men that they had there and they could not do it. They couldn't stop this man. He was basically free to do whatever he desired to do. And night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always shrieking and screaming and beating and bruising and cutting himself with stones. And when from a distance he saw Jesus, verse number uh, 6, he saw Jesus and he ran and fell on his knees before him in homage. And he cried out with a loud voice. He said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In other words, what is there that's common between us? He said, I solemnly implore you by uh, God, do not begin to torment me. Now, why would Jesus torment this man? It wasn't the man that was speaking. It was the demons that was within the man. Okay, they were speaking and said, oh, don't torment me. Folks, I'm telling you, this Jesus we serve is real. And even the demons, they they shudder. They shudder. <laughs> They're scared of Jesus. They are scared. And that's when we were singing that song, I speak Jesus. I was thinking, oh, my, if we could just genuinely pour out that thought of I speak Jesus. I speak it in the name of Jesus. The demons, they, they can't stand it. They're scared of him. <laughs> and Jesus was commanding, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Boy, they was begging him, no, don't torment me. And he said, well, come out. Get out of this man. And he asked him, 
Jesus asked, he says, what's your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. There was more, more than one. <laughs> there was more than one in this man. And he kept begging him to not send him away out of that region. And if you know the story, they, they begged him to just send him, send him into the hogs that was there. And he gave them permission. I get that. He gave the demons permission. <laughs> the demons couldn't do anything without Jesus' permission. To even leave the man and go into the hogs. No, they had to have Jesus' permission to do it. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Demons asking, devil, you can't do anything to me without asking Jesus first. You ask Jesus, he tells you it's all right, that's fine. See what I'm saying? No. He said, I gave you permission, go ahead and go down there into the hogs. They did, and what happened? All ran down and drowned. <laughs> See, I'm telling you, it was, it was something that had to go on. Now, chapter 15, they came to Jesus and looked intently and searching at, and, and searchingly at the man who had been a demonic sitting there clothed and in his right mind, the same man that nobody could tame, that nobody could change, that nobody could contain at all. And he was screeching, cutting himself, everything else, the same man who had this legion of demons and they were seized and alarmed. And they were even struck with fear. The people was going, whoa. name of my message today is Jesus makes the difference. <laughs> Jesus makes the difference. I want you to ponder that. I want you to carry that. If you would, carry that with you today, tomorrow, next week, next week. Jesus makes the difference. Nobody, remember? No one. No one could do anything with this man but Jesus made the difference. He walked into that 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 cemetery and he he face to face with the demons. He said, "Get out of this man. Don't torment us. Okay, go down to the hogs. I give you permission. Go on." Folks, Jesus makes the difference. He continued on. He walks into the city if we go on uh, a little bit farther. Let's go down to uh, verse 22. Then one of the rulers of the synagogue came up to Jairus by name and seeing him, came up, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he prostrated himself at his feet, again bowed down to Jesus, and begged him, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be healed and live. Jesus went with him, and a great crowd kept following him and pressed him from all sides, almost suffocated him. And there was a woman who had an issue of blood, had a flow of blood, and she had had this problem for 12 long years. 12 years. She had had the same uh, problem, the same issue for 12 years. She had spent everything she had on doctors, physicians. She had gone to, I'm sure, every doctor in in the area to try to get healing for this. She had spent everything she had. She had nothing left left. Had nothing else left, and she, she could, as a matter of fact, she not only was she not being healed, she was getting worse by the day. She seen, and Jesus was coming for, coming through. 
Well, the throng was just there. I mean, it was so, there was people just, as, as the scripture here says, suffocating. I mean, they was pressed up around Jesus, and she couldn't get to him. So what does she do? She gets down on her, I can see her, get down on her, her, her knees, and she, she said, well, maybe I can't talk to him, but if I can just touch the hem of his garment, maybe, maybe that'll work. So she, she kind of through the, pushes her way through the, the, the crowd, their legs, I can see her kind of pushing this, this way and that. She gets up there and she touches the hem of his garment. Now folks, when we touch Jesus through our prayers, when we touch Jesus through asking him uh, for something, he takes note. Sometimes I think we re- we think Jesus is just sitting up there ha- passing out gifts. Here you go, here you go. That's all he does. Sits up there and throws out this gift, and he just where they land. That's good. But no, he knows it's you. He recognizes you, and he recognizes your need, and he he takes note of it. All of a sudden, he says, "He says, I felt I felt virtue flow for me." <laughs> and all the disciples say, well, you know, somebody, somebody touched me. And he goes, well, of course somebody touched you. These people are present. He goes, she goes, oh, no, no, this is different. Somebody. I, I could just feel, you know, almost feel what you, somebody that had a special need, somebody that needed me touched me. Somebody reached out to me. Somebody. And you know the story. Most of you know she was healed on the spot. Healed. No more problems. No more issues. She walked away from there completely, utterly and completely healed. And he tells her, he said to her, he said, daughter, your faith, your trust, your confidence in me, your, your, your faith in God has restored you to health. Go in peace and continually be healed and freed from your disease. Not only are you healed now, but it'll never come back. You're healed forever. That's what he told her. He said, go and, and be freed from, be continually healed and freed from your disease. In other words, he says, it's not going to come back tomorrow. The doctors couldn't do it. All the money she had couldn't do it. Jesus made the difference. (laughs) Jesus made the difference. You hear what I'm saying? Twelve years. Jesus healed her just like that. Jesus healed her just like that. (laughs) Then we go on into the next in in this chapter. And uh, we find, uh, see, let's look at uh, verse... 35, it says, while we were still speaking, there came from the ruler's house who said to Jairus, your daughter has died. Remember the ruler that walked up to him in the beginning of the, of the chapter where, before he got interrupted by the demons? Well, one of his servants came to him and says, your, your daughter died. You know, he could have said, Jesus, while you was fooling around with the demons back there and the man that didn't deserve you and, and everything, my daughter died. But he didn't do that. No, he didn't do that. But anyway, they tell him, he says, your daughter has died. Why bother and distress the teacher, Jesus, any farther? Overhearing this, I like what it says here. It says, overhearing this, that Jesus 
He, he's dead. Don't, don't bother him anymore. Overhearing this, but ignoring it. <laughs> I like that. Jesus just ignored what they said about bothering him and, and the fact that, and I, I think even the fact that the girl was, was dead, because as we find later, I, I think that's what he was ignoring as well. Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, he says, do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear. Only keep on believing. What Pastor Rip was talking about earlier. And he permitted no one to accompany him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. That's it. Those three. And when they arrived at the house, the ruler of the synagogue, a house of the ruler of the synagogue, he looked carefully and understanding at the turmoil and the people were weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had gone in, he said to them, why do you make such an uproar and weep? The little girl is not dead. She is sleeping. And they laughed at him and jeered at him. But he put them all out. He said, okay, y'all don't believe. Get out of here. Just leave. I can't have that kind of doubt, that kind of uh, uh, unbelief here. He said, y'all need to leave. Leave the house. Get out of the room. And he went in where the little girl was lying. And he gripping her hand, he said to her, Tehatha Kuma, which translated is little girl, he said, I say to you, arise. And instantly the girl got up and started walking around, for she was 12 years old, and everybody was totally astonished and amazed as to what happened. And he commanded and warned them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Don't bother him. Your daughter's already dead. Don't bother the the master, the teacher. Don't bother Jesus. Your daughter's already dead. She was dead. But Jesus made the difference. (laughs) Now, you remember the words I was talking about earlier? His power to deliver demons. His name is powerful to deliver demons. His name is healing He healed the woman with the issue of blood. And his name is life. He raised the little girl from death unto life. Folks, not only can he do that physically, and not only does he do that physically, but he does it spiritually too. He raises us, uh, he raises us from death unto life. He not just come to give us life. He came to give us life more abundantly. A life in Jesus is so much more than a life without him. Jesus makes the difference. I don't know if you've ever been guilty of this. I'm guilty all the time, quite frankly. When there's a... Talk about getting into politics. Forgive me, but if there's somebody in office that I don't particularly like their style of administration or what they stand for or how things are going, no matter who they are... I think, oh, if we can just hold on two more years, (laughs) just hold on three more years. If we can just hold on one more year, we'll, maybe we'll get it right next time and we'll get the right guy in there and things will get better. Have you ever been guilty of that? I have. I have to be honest. I've been guilty of that quite a bit here in the last few years, if I'm being honest. If we can just hang on just a little bit longer. Right? But let me tell you something. We don't have to, 
wait. We don't have to wait. All we have to do is believe. All we have to do is pray. All we have to do is say the name of Jesus. All we have to do is is use the name of Jesus. Why? Why? Because Jesus makes the difference. <laughs> right? Folks, it doesn't matter who's in the White House. Jesus can make a difference. <laughs> it does, we Did we not learn that this morning from his word? It doesn't matter. Jesus makes the difference. If he can take care of many demons and send them, I'll tell you what, he can take care of any administration and set things right. Can he not? He can take care of America and set things right. But you know what? We are going to have to, as the church, we've got to, we've got to stand up and we've got to do our part and we've got to pray. Do you notice in every one of these instances that we talked about this morning, Jarius, the dad, the leader from the synagogue, the demons, the man, and he was controlled by demons, right? The man and the lady with the issue of blood. What did they all have in common? They all were on their knees. Every one of them fell to their knees before Jesus. Church, maybe time we fall to our knees before Jesus. <laughs> I th- honestly, I think if there probably ever was a time in my lifetime, I'll put it that way. I'm not happy with the way things are going. I know some of it. I know why some of it's happening. The pastor's been preaching about that. I know why some of it's happening, but I don't like it. But Jesus can make a difference. I want to share one more story with you as I close. I've kind of touched and talked. This is a story that I hope will make a difference. And and, and somebody maybe that's watching that uh, online, or maybe you here, or something you take and share it with someone. My, my brother, he's six years younger than I am. Uh, it was about, how long ago was that? It was a year before Dad died, seven, eight years ago. Um, now, I want you to understand, my brother was not a necessarily a bad person. My, per- my brother has always been a very kind-hearted person. He was rough around the edges, but he learned from my mother. I always said, both of us got my mother's heart. It's very kind, very thoughtful, very sensitive to other people's needs. But he was a little different in that he he was rough. He was a tough guy. And he was big. He could be a tough guy. He's shorter than me, but, man, he was, I didn't mess with him. Even as a kid, I didn't mess with him. He's six years younger than me. He, he was he's tough. But sometime in the early years of of growing up, somewhere around eight, nine, ten years old, something happened, and I'm not really sure what. I just know something happened. We attended church, and something happened. 
And he made comments several times after that throughout his life that he would never go to church again. And he pretty much held to that. The only time he went to church was funerals and weddings. That's the only time I ever knew of him going to church. Funerals and weddings. And as soon as it was over, he was out the door and gone. Well, about seven, eight years ago, I get a phone call, and he's in the hospital. On a Wednesday night, he's in the hospital. He was air-flighted from his home, which is about 90 miles from Lubbock. He was air-flighted to the major hospital in Lubbock. I said, okay. Uh, He and I had drifted apart because we was totally different. Let me tell you about it. He was deep into drugs, heavy addiction, was a dealer, alcoholic, deep into alcohol. He took care of my parents, though. He he made sure my parents were taken care of. That was that was that sense of good side of him. <laughs> he took care of my parents. They was they they needed nothing. He, he took care of them. My mother had passed away by the time that this story uh, this came around, but he took care of my dad. His son left home because he couldn't deal with his dad's addictions. I got this phone call and I said, okay. I said, uh, you know, keep me posted. The next day, my, the pastor, I was an associate in the church there uh, where we we were at at that time. And uh, no, I don't think. Yeah, because that was about the time we went to to Odessa. But it was, so anyway, uh, it was shortly, it was during this period, I, I ch- took my the last church that I pastored. Anyway, we was on our way to a fellowship meeting. And on the way to this fellowship meeting, uh, I got a phone call. And uh, they said, if you want to see your brother alive, you need to get to Lubbock right away. So anyway, to make a long story short, I, got, I went to Lubbock. The doctors told me, they said, he will not survive. They said he's got so much against him. His heart destroyed by drugs. Folks, drug, all those drugs are, all those, most of those drugs are nothing but toxins that people, literally poisons people are pumping into their bodies. Destroyed his, his, uh, his heart. Said his heart's gone. It's failing. He's not going to get any better. This was on a Thursday. Things walked along. I stayed there. Sunday came. The doctor come in and didn't expect him to make it that long. Come in and he said, he's a fighter. <laughs> I said, oh, yeah, he is. So, anyway, side note, I have an aunt. It's my mother's, I won't go into, we're double kin, but I won't go into that. You won't know, I'll tell you later. But anyway, she was just a few years younger than my dad. She was in her 80s. Oh, child, uh, you talk about a woman of God and prayer. She, she was, she was it. And she had kind of become our mother figure after my mom passed away because her and my mother were best friends as well as, sister-in-laws and 
and niece. <laughs> she is my mother's sister-in-law and niece. Like I said, it's kind of weird. They're from Tennessee. <laughs> so anyway, the she was a prayer warrior. And she would go, and she she lived like 45 miles away. And she would drive herself. 87 years old, her kids hated it. But she would drive herself to Lubbock and go sit at that hospital and sit in that room and read scriptures and pray all day long over my brother. We were there a month. And I, I went home, I think, by this time we were, you know, I, I just accepted the pastor at the church, I think, so, or, or not too long ago. Anyway, we had, I went back a week to Kathy pretty much took care of the church, cause I, I stayed and my job let me stay up there and, and in the meantime, my dad, because he had no caregiver, we, he ended up in the same hospital. <laughs> I was going from one end of the hospital to the other. Ended up putting my dad in the nursing home there in Lubbock because I had no no other choice. I mean, I said to my brother because he had he had made a promise to my dad we'd never put them in a nursing home, and I thought I did it. And I said, well, when he comes out of his coma, my brother will he'll forsake me, he'll he'll disown me, he'll never speak to me again. I honestly felt that way because I really thought that's what would happen. Well, let's move on forward a month. He finally. At about three weeks, I think, or so, he came out of the coma uh, that he was in. Doctors are amazed that he's still alive. Every single day, the cardiologist would walk into the room and say, I can't believe it. I can't believe you're still here. 15% of your heart's working and you're still here. How is that possible? We're going to, you need, he got out of the hospital which the doctor said he would never live more than a year. He said, year tops, year tops. He and I was down at, at where he lived. We was headed back to Midland. He started having chest pains. We headed to Lubbock, drove to Lubbock, went to the ER, got in there. His cardiologist wasn't available. One came from the, uh, another cardiologist, came to the ER, saw him and says, well, I'm going to discharge him. And I said, what do you mean you're going to discharge him? Do you don't know the history, this man's history? He called me outside and he said, he said, understand, he has no heart. <laughs> he said his heart is shot. He said he's working on 15% of his heart. He's not going to survive unless he has a heart transplant. You got to understand that, sir. The whole time, like I said, Kate's taking care of the church. They're, they're praying. Our, our church, home church is praying. Everybody's, you know, praying. Aunt, everybody's praying. Finally, I get, I'd gone home for a few days. I got a phone call. They was discharging him. Kathy and I already talked. This is a man. He just needs to, you know, I mean, we'd accepted he was going to die. I mean, we had. I mean, that, everybody was telling us he's going to die. So we'd made the decision, okay, he can't take care of himself. He's going to come live with us. We want to at least live and die in a loving godly home so my daughter brought him to our house this was on a saturday i believe friday or saturday anyway sunday uh, saturday night first saturday night he was there we'd already determined we weren't going to force him to go to church that didn't do no good you know we we just weren't going to pull that out of the hat and try so anyway he said he caught me and he said 
Would y'all be okay? Would it be okay with y'all if I went to church with you tomorrow? <laughs> I said, oh, I, yeah, I, did, I had to control my excitement. I didn't want it to be so obvious, you know. But I looked at him and said, oh, absolutely. Yeah, we'd love for you to go. The whole time I, inside, you know, I was just shouting. He went to church. I believe that was Father's Day, right? Or with the, Father's Day was the a few weeks after that. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, he went to church and the people just threw themselves at him because they felt like they knew him. They'd been praying for him for over a month. That love and, and, and the work that, that, that God done, he gave his life to the Lord there in, in our services, in the church there, and he's never looked back. Seven years later, this man is working in a church, local church, <laughs> working in a local church. He's there every Sunday. The only way he's not there every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, prayer meeting, it doesn't matter. He is there, and he's one of the leaders in the church, not on the deacon board or anything like that, but he's he's there. He's leaders. They look to him for uh, for. For stuff, he he take, he opens the church up Sunday mornings, gets the heaters, or air conditioners going, he mows the yard, he does whatever needs to be done. He does it, and he and he does it proudly. Prayer warrior, he's one of my first phone calls now. You know, I say, hey, need prayer? Okay, you got it, bud. And he does, and Jesus makes the difference. We're a man that wasn't. Honestly, he wasn't worth much in the eyes of the world. Not worth much. He could have easily died, gone to hell, and nobody would have blinked an eye, thought about a second thought about him dying. But now, he's a child of God, serving him, worshiping, praying with him every day. Bible study, or studies is the word, praise every morning. God is good. And God is, and Jesus makes the difference, folks. So, I want to encourage you in your own life, just remember that Jesus makes the difference. When things are not going well, Jesus makes the difference. Remember that. Things aren't going so well with your children. They're out there. You're worried about them. You're concerned about them. I'll tell you, they didn't get any worse than my brother. And my mother went to her grave praying that he would get saved. The only real regret that I have is that my mom did not live long enough to see my brother saved. She would have been the happiest day of her life, I promise you. But Dad did. I'm not sure how much he understood, but you know, at that time. But uh, don't give up on him. Keep praying. Keep seeking. Don't be surprised it takes something near death to get them get them where they need to be. It did him. But God didn't give up on him. That's that's the thing you need to remember. God didn't give up on him. Jesus makes the difference. God bless you. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you today and we thank you. We thank you for Jesus. Lord, you give us a chance. Lord, uh, man failed you, but you gave us another chance. You gave us Jesus. 
and the difference he has made in my life and in the lives of so many and in our our lives as we live them lord in our future in our eternity he's made the difference we was on our way to hell but jesus made the difference now we're heaven bound lord we praise you we thank you and i speak jesus into the lives of everyone here and their families and of their friends and lord we give you the praise in jesus name amen